We're going to continue in our Acts series today. So if you have your Bibles, keep them open to Acts chapter 19, verse 23, where our scripture reading was today. And we are going to be looking under the topic or the title, Influencer. You know, I remember the first time I heard an Ellen White quote that had a big influence on my life at the time. Only problem, it turned out not to be an Ellen White quote at all. Have you ever heard something that perhaps Ellen White said, but what I like to call a phantom quote, something she never really said at all? Uh, You know, Ellen White, if you don't know, was one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and her writings still influence how we live our life and our faith today. But here was the quote that I heard that really impacted me, the phantom quote. It's that if you're eating meat, when Jesus is coming, you will not be directly translated into heaven, but you'll have to die the death of the animal. Have any of you ever heard any idea like that before? Yeah, you have. Good. There's no, but most of you have. That means this is a good church. You haven't heard crazy stuff like that before. I heard that growing up as a middle school child, and I stopped eating meat. I don't know, for maybe two months or something. Uh, I only ate pizza for two months. It wasn't any good for me. Uh, but it had a profound impact on my vision of who Ellen White is and diet and health and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And I don't remember who told me that. I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard it and it impacted me. It made an influence on me. I thought it was really interesting when you look at uh, the life of Ellen White. Uh, In 1863, she had her first health vision that, you know, Adventists learned if you want to live longer and prosper and do mission for past the age of 50, you can follow the health message. But it's very interesting that she didn't become a vegetarian until 31 years after her first health message. Sure, she didn't eat meat at the home, but anytime she would travel, she would eat meat until 31 years later, the most random occurrence happened and the most unlikely conversation took place between her and someone else that influenced her in a way that she would never forget. In our story this morning, the Bible forces us to encounter four different types of influencers. In our Bible, in chapter 19 and verse 23, the, verse 24, the Bible introduces us to a certain man by the name of Demetrius, a silversmith who had made silver shrines of Diana and brought no small profit to the craftsmen. Demetrius is what I would like to call a negative influencer. But why he influenced people is very reasonable. He made money making idols and silver idols for the god Diana or Artemis in Ephesus. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world was the temple of Artemis or Diana in Ephesus. And he made his money making these little statues. And when Christianity started to spread and the gospel started to expand, people started buying less idols, and which meant for him, less idols, less money. And so, like any normal professional would do, he called his other professionals, his other tradesmen together, 
And he said, guys, listen, we have a problem. Here's the problem. The gospel that Paul is spreading is stopping everyone in Ephesus and all of Asia from buying idols. And if we don't do something about it, we're going to lose our livelihood. Oh, and yeah, by the way, the, the god uh, Diana, she, she'll be in disrepute as well. Uh, and he impacts one man, impacts a group of one group of people who then their influence spreads to cause confusion and panic throughout the entire city of Ephesus. That men and women crowd into an amphitheater that can hold up to 24,000 people screaming, some of them not knowing why they're there, great is the God of Diana of the Ephesians. Notice the influence of just one man to one group to an entire city. This morning, I want you to consider your influence. Are you a negative influence? Uh, before coming down to Silver Springs, I was at what I like to call the ghetto of Adventism in Canada. I call it the Adventist ghetto, not because it was bad, but because it was a town of 14,000 people and about 4,000 of us were associated with the church in some way or another. And so uh, I remember going to one of our first youth events and talking with the kids after the Bible study and after the worship. And typically after you hang out with young people uh, after a worship service or whatnot, there's certain things they like to talk about. They like to talk about sports. They talk about the guys or the girls they're interested in or who they're texting over right there right now, who, who they might like. They start talking about, you know, things like that, uh, the sports and the academics. But the first time we finished our youth event, I'll never forget what these group of young people talked about because I had never heard high school students talk about this before. After the study they started to talk about church politics. It was so strange. They would say, I can't believe the conference president made that move to send that pastor to that place and keep this pastor here. It's like, what? I can't believe the university president decided to move that position into a contract position rather than keeping it a full-time tenure. It's like, you're 13 years old. Like, why, why are you talking about this? I can't believe that the academy is thinking about closing its dormitory. They started to talk about church politics. And for the first time, because I was at a metropolitan church before then, I realized something that I think is the case here. That the majority of the young people who I was serving, their parents worked in some way or another for the church or the school, or the conference. And here's what I'm bringing up as my point, is that sometimes at the end of our day, as people who work for the church, we come home, we let our hair down, and we vent sometimes. We say, oh man, I can't believe they made this decision, or I can't believe this person did that. But I want to really have you consider your influence. Because I have seen, as, as a youth pastor, if I could give you any good advice as a, as a parent, the only advice I could actually give you is be careful what you say at the dinner table. Be careful of what those little ears and those little eyes are seeing and hearing. 
Because you go around the whole world preaching the gospel, helping people in the kingdom. And sometimes when we come home at the end of the day, we vent and we criticize our pastors and we criticize the church leaders. And we say, if only the general conference president would do this or that. But the little ears and little eyes start to hear and all the work and all the effort that we put into molding our children into disciples and raising them into being men and women of God, inadvertently we cut them right underneath their legs because the seeds we plant, or we're not really paying attention sometimes, can have a negative influence. This morning, I want you to consider your influence. Are you having an influence that inspires other people's faith or is it having a different effect? The Bible introduces us not only to a negative influencer by the name of Demetrius, but it continues to introduce us to another influencer who we are all very familiar with. In verse 26, Demetrius says, moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, This Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. Our second influencer today is a positive influence. His name is Paul, the greatest Christian evangelist, apologist, missionary the world has ever seen. He influences not only Ephesus, but all of Asia and elsewhere in Acts. It could be said of his ministry, him and the apostles, that they turned the whole world upside down for the gospel. Paul was a positive influence. But notice in our passage this morning that Paul's positive influence in Jesus's eyes was deemed as a negative influence in the eyes of Demetrius and the silversmiths and the people of Ephesus. Sometimes you're making a positive influence in people's lives. Sometimes you're standing up for Jesus. Sometimes you're doing what's right for the kingdom and you're gonna get criticized. You're gonna get pushed back. You're gonna get persecuted for it. I can remember when I was back in high school on fire for Jesus, sharing my faith. You get get knocked even in Christian schools, but you are still having a positive influence. The same people who used to mock me in high school were the same people in college I gave Bible studies to and ended up getting baptized with. So don't, don't let your, don't be, don't be disheartened when other people look at your positive influence in a negative way. If you're going to start a small group, if you're going to lead a ministry, if you're going to do anything good for the kingdom of God, there's going to be pushback because we wage a spiritual warfare where the devil doesn't like to see the spirit of God influence people for Jesus. See, Paul, He was a positive influence. You know, sometimes at night, I can't sleep. uh, And there has been habits where I'll waste my time watching TV. But I've tried to get into the habit when I can't sleep at night to turn on uh, a podcast, BBC Radio, uh, In Our Times. It's a religious podcast. Uh, It's pretty decent. And uh, I was listening on Monday night to the story, the life story, of a very famous influential pastor and author named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you haven't heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer before, I would really encourage you to pick up a book called The Cost of Discipleship. It's by far one of the most influential Christian works of our time, and it inspires faith. Uh, The one thing that's so wonderful about Dietrich Bonhoeffer is that 
during World War II when Hitler was persecuting and discriminating against the Jews, most of the Christian church in Germany at that time supported Hitler. Crazy. Even if when you look at the articles of the Review and Herald in the time for the Adventists, even Adventists were supporting Hitler. Ironically, because he was a vegetarian. <laughs> but Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of the few influential Protestant pastors who would not support Hitler, who would fight viciously to try to get him out of power. One thing I didn't know about his story was that as a 20-year-old man, he went to New York and he studied at the Union Theological Seminary in New York City. And just a mile down the road from that theological seminary as a 20-year-old man, he attended a small black church in Harlem. And for the first time, you can imagine this big, white, handsome German man is fellowshipping with people of a different culture and a different time in Harlem, New York. And he sees what's something he'd never seen in Germany before as a young man, but young black children in his youth group being discriminated against because of their skin color. And these professionals, these professors were saying, if it wasn't for his time in Harlem, would he ever be able to have the courage to fight Hitler? That his time in Harlem sensitized him to the discrimination that took place in America, that when he saw the same thing in Germany against the Jews, he said, we're not going to have that. That's against the kingdom of God. That's not Christ. That's culture. I want you to consider your influence. Because sometimes at the small church, if you're a teacher in a classroom or if you're a parent, sometimes you feel like what you're doing isn't making a big difference when you're teaching in a Sabbath school class. But I will have you know that sometimes the smallest things that we do at our small local churches or in our small little spheres make impacts on hundreds, thousands, and in the case of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, millions of people forever. What kind of influence are you having? We've been introduced to our Demetrius, our negative influencer. He didn't put good things on TikTok and on Twitter. It was the trash. You didn't want to see that stuff. You had Paul. He was a positive influencer. Uh, we've actually got a student at the, at the school who has over a million views on a TikTok. We got some positive influencers on TikTok. Uh, and then the Bible introduces us to our third influencer. The Bible says in Acts chapter 19, verse 33, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude. The Jews putting him forward and Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for about two hours, <laughs> Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Alexander is what I like to call a person of no influence. You know, sometimes we have positive influence. Sometimes we have negative influence. And sometimes, like Alexander, we try to wave our hands to make a difference, but we have no influence. But before we get into that idea, the majority of us sometimes feel like, but are not like Alexander. We feel like Alexander. We feel like what we're doing is not making a difference. 
Maybe you're a mom staying at home with your toddlers and you're trying to teach them how to just be clean or how to just be, you know, good young boys. I know my wife and I sometimes feel that way and sometimes it feels like it just goes in one ear and out the other. (laughs) And you feel like you're not making an influence. Maybe you're at work and, you know, you have an idea that you think was really going to solve a lot of problems. So you give that idea out at work and no one hears you. But then maybe two weeks later, someone else brings up the same idea and everyone else applauds. You're like, maybe I don't have any influence. Maybe, like I said before, you're a teacher or you've been in a profession for a long time. And you're just like, "Am am I really making a difference? See, most of the time, we just feel like Alexander's. That we think we're not making an influence. We're not making a difference. But the truth is, we are. We're making a huge impact on the lives of the people around us, spreading out to, I think, not only our sphere, but hundreds of other people. Most of the time, you're making a good influence. What you're doing for Jesus is making a difference. Don't stop trying. Don't start working. Don't start doing your best for the kingdom. You are making a difference. What you do does actually matter. But there are times and there are seasons like Alexander, where you are making no influence. And there are times and there are seasons when it's time for a change. And it's okay to have a change. You know, I hear that the average person changes their career every 10 years. It's okay to have a change because God did not intend for your life to be one of no influence. And sometimes you don't have influence on no fault of your own. Alexander here was a good prominent leader in the Jewish community, but when he stood up in a different place in Ephesus, he didn't make a difference. He didn't get their attention. And it wasn't any fault of his own. It was just because he was a Jew and they were Gentiles. Sometimes you're not making a difference and it's not your fault. And you're pushing and pulling and strategizing, trying to figure out what can I do here to make it worth my time and to make a difference. And sometimes there's nothing you can do. And sometimes it's okay for a change. There's a reason that every five years our church cycles through different leadership. There's a reason every five years or so pastors sit back and they pray, am I still making an impact on the mission of the church here or should we move on to somewhere else? You don't have to live your life in an area where you're not making an influence. God doesn't want you to be that way. God wants you to be fulfilled and satisfied. And sometimes, not most of the time, but sometimes it means there needs to be a change. And you might be in a place right now where you need a change and that's okay. So we have in our story four influencers. The first one was Demetrius. Was he a positive or a negative influence? Okay, I'll try again. Our first influence was Demetrius. Was he a positive or negative influence? He was a negative influence. We have Paul. Was he a positive or negative influence? Positive influence. And then we have our Alexander who had no influence. But the fourth influencer in our story, I find to be very fascinating. Because we know the name of Demetrius. We know the name of Paul. We know the name of Alexander. 
but our most powerful influencer in our passage has no name. The Bible says in verse 35, and when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said to the men, he said, men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of Ephesians is the temple garden of the great goddess Diana? And then he jumps down all the way to verse 41. And then he said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Notice the story. One man has an impact to influence an entire crowd into chaos and panic. And one unnamed influencer has the ability to quiet the crowd, reason with them, and send them on, the way, on their way. If he had not done that, if this unnamed influencer, the city clerk, had not done that, Paul and his fellow missionary friends would have been killed for sure. And before you think that this unnamed city clerk is a small position, in the time of Ephesus, the city clerk was actually like the CEO of the city. He was a very powerful person. And so we have someone who is unknown, unnamed, but still has a powerful influence. I have learned that those in our community, not only locally, but globally, who are the most influential are those who are unknown. It's not the actor in front of the television screen, but it's the producer who's behind the scene who has the influence. It's not the pastor on the pulpit who makes all the difference, but it's the conference office who gets to decide which pastor is placed where. It's not the NBA star who shoots the shot, but it's the GM and the owner behind the scenes who have the most influence. It are the people in the world who are unknown, who we can't put a name to, but they make the world go round. And you know what? Sometimes you are just like the city clerk. Your influence is powerful but your name is unknown. Your impact is huge, but no one can remember your name. And when you follow Jesus, that is the case in your life. Because do you know why? In this story, there is one unknown influencer who is not named here, but you see him written all over the story. And that is the unknown but powerful influence of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is here in this story and he is impacting a pagan leader to protect a Christian minister. And in our lives, we have the Holy Spirit who is unknown. We know Jesus's name. We know God the Father has many names, but the Holy Spirit, we don't have many names for him, the comforter. But the Holy Spirit has a powerful influence in our life. Listen, if you're not sure if the Holy Spirit is working in your life, let me break it down for you in a simple way. Anytime there is any motivation in your heart to do anything better, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. You wanna be a little more patient with your wife? That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. You wanna give a little more effort at your job to make a bit more of a difference? That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. You wanna change your diet and get better health and improve? That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. The unknown yet powerful influence of the Holy Spirit is always working in our lives. Sometimes in a whisper, hey, this is the way. 
walk in it. And throughout our story, even though we have the influence of Demetrius, the influence of Paul, the influence of Alexander, and the influence of this unknown city clerk, the most powerful influence in the world and in our lives is that of the Holy Spirit, who's watching over every single one of us, who makes Jesus real for every one of us. So I started this message telling you about Ellen White. 1863, first health message, 31 years later, 1894. She goes to a camp meeting in Melbourne, Australia. Any Aussies here? Love you Australians. So come on, no Australians here? No, no, oh man, okay, I know we have some, okay. Yeah, so she goes to a camp meeting in Australia, Brighton camp meeting, and she runs, runs into the most unlikely influencer. An animal activist, a Catholic animal activist who approaches Ellen White at the camp meeting. And she says to her, I know you're still eating meat and you're indulging in your perverted appetite and it's hurting and killing countless animals. And Ellen White, 31 years later after having the health message, finally has this conviction in her heart that she needs to become a vegetarian because of the unknown influence of this random Catholic uh, animal activist. Uh, but I remember uh, this story isn't about your diet. So let me let you, uh, let me leave you with this. Uh, when I was a kid and I didn't know Jesus Christ, even though I attended our academies, I uh, went to a Vespers one night. And uh, just like the kids have here at their schools. And I remember exactly why I went. When you're a teenage boy going to a social gathering, why is it that teenage boys go to social gatherings? To meet a girl, that's right. And traveling into town were the girls from Forest Lake Academy. And when you go to school in Virginia, girls from Florida just seem more attractive to you. <laughs> and so I went to that Vespers that night, hoping to meet a girl, hoping to connect with a girl. And then, this guy went up, as they do on Friday nights, and he started to preach. And for whatever reason, he started to talk about having faith in Jesus. And I had heard about this stuff my whole life, but it wasn't until that one Friday night when that one unknown preacher talked about faith in Jesus that the first time the unknown yet powerful influence of the Holy Spirit touched my heart. He didn't make an altar call. He wasn't really a good preacher. But I went back into my room and I gave my heart to Jesus. I got down on my knees and I confessed my sins. And for the first time, I opened my Bible and for, for whatever reason, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus became real to me that night. And that young man or whoever that preacher was, I don't remember his name, but I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for the influence that he gave me because I know Jesus because of him and because of all the other influences in my life, but specifically him. And so I wanted to leave you with that because a lot of you are sharing your faith all the time and you're having a powerful influence on the lives of everyone around you. But sometimes we don't know it, but you need to have courage. You need to have trust that what you're doing for God makes a difference. Because when we get to the kingdom of heaven, 
we will see that what we do really does matter and that our influence really does make a difference. God bless you and keep influencing for the kingdom of God.